0: Plus. Here come the Aces on the run. De-Energizer. Looks for Ty Young. Sprints to the hoop. Caught the glass. And good, 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 Live in the entertainment capital of the world. Oh, uh, mercy. It's the T.C. Martin show. show. Show, show, And here we go. Get ready for the fourth quarter of game number four. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor. He's going to let one fly. A three. De-Energizer a three from half court. Oh, my goodness! Are you kidding me? T.C. margin. There were six seconds to go, and De-Energizer hit a wild, crazy, improbable three to give the Aces the lead! The doctor is now in. 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 Rolling through
1: a solid Wednesday here at the T.C. Martin Show, coming away live. I'm Chris Wynn, in for T.C. Martin. T.C. Martin on the road, okay? The doctor is going to be back on Friday, but uh, he's got some uh, stuff to attend to when it comes to the WNBA playoffs, folks. We get set for Game 4 of the WNBA Semifinals as the Aces are taking on the Phoenix Mercury tonight. T.C. Martin will be on the call over down the dial, ESPN Radio Las Vegas. As we get set, the Aces up against it as they are facing elimination right now, down two games to one in that series. And T.C. Martin, join us right now on the phone lines to give us a little preview, set things up, and get things geared up for this basketball game. T.C., we appreciate you spending some time, my brother. What's going on?
0: (laughs) See, win, my man. Thank you very much, man, for stepping in uh, today, man. I greatly appreciate it. And I'm coming to you, yes, as you said, from the Valley of the Sun here, uh, overlooking the the, uh, the footprint arena that used to be the talking stick arena, that used to be the U.S. air arena, whatever it is, you know, next to Chase Field, which you're very familiar with, my friend. And, uh, yes, and uh, I'm coming to you from downtown Phoenix, where I just enjoyed a beautiful lunch and diving into some churros right now, C-Win, right now as we speak.
1: Well, it wouldn't be TC Martin on the road with some excursions, right, to uh, some uh, eateries and establishments. And uh, I'm fully expecting some uh, either video or pictures coming up on social media, my friends, so I can get the, the skinny on exactly what you're doing.
0: Oh. The, the, the moment we hang up, uh, you will see, my friend. No question about it.
1: We do have that big basketball game tonight, right? Game four of the WNBA semifinals. Obviously, the Aces taking out the Mercury. Look, uh, not a good showing, obviously, in game two with a 26-point loss to the Mercury at Michelob Ultra Arena in which Diana Taurasi just went nuts. Then, you know, look, we, t- we we saw Asia Wilson in the post-game press conference of that game say, look, there's no positives we can take out of this game other than people are healthy, right? And you fully expected, look, Asia Wilson, she She's the reigning WNBA MVP. She's a huge, major key cog on this team. And so it was surprised, to say the least, T.C., to see her shoot two for 14 in that game three. And also, you know, Kelsey Plum not having a good game offensively as well, too. They have some things that need to get worked out as we get set to tip it off here in game four of this series.
0: Yeah, I talked to Bill Lambert at length this morning and basically he said that they've got to you know they've got to get the guard play going because you know when they won game 1 at uh, the Mandalay Bay Michelob Ultra Arena you know the guards were on fire i mean the guards between Kelsey Plum or Courtney Williams and Chelsea Gray combined for 68 of the Aces' 96 points they won that game 96 to 90 and they were on fire they shot a high percentage uh, but still you know Asia Wilson was shut down a little bit in that game and really see when it, it's really not a great matchup uh, for Asia, even though she's, you know, met Brittany Greiner uh, numerous times. She's held her own. Uh, for some reason in this series, uh, she is, is not being able to get her shot off uh, at all. Greiner is just making her change her shot. And she's doing that to Liz Cambage uh, as well, too. But Asia definitely needs to get going. Lambert said that uh, they're going to try to get Asia going You know, early uh, tonight. She looked really good earlier in the shoot round uh, today. Looked pretty calm, kind of relaxed. Uh, she was hitting... Everywhere from on the floor, so I think you're going to see probably a very, very focused Asia Wilson tonight, and the rest of the Aces. They're pretty loose. Uh, they've never been through anything like this before. You talked about the, you know, the blowout in games two and three. I mean, losing you know by 27 and then 26 points in games two and three. The Aces have never been through anything like this before, and this is the first elimination game that they are going to face here in the postseason. And, you know, Phoenix has already had two elimination games in the previous rounds that they, you know, had to just to get to this series. So, yeah, this is a big game tonight. And like I said, it's do or die for the Aces. But uh, I'm anticipating you're going to get a A-plus performance from the Aces tonight.
1: And As much you're going to need to see an improvement, right, from Asia from an offensive standpoint, a really big key tonight, TC, has got to be defensively, right, for the Aces up front because we saw what Brianna Turner was able to do, along with with Brittany Griner. You mentioned uh, both with double doubles, right, in that game three. And look, you know, look, Liz Cambage wasn't, you know, she had a decent game from an offensive standpoint, but I really, I, I really think, right, a big key for them to get off the schneid here and, and get this series back to Vegas is going to be defensively what Liz Cambage and Asia wilson are able to do up
0: front. yeah i totally agree with that and here's the thing with brianna turner had uh she was averaging eight points a game and you know she had 23 points and 17 rebounds like you mentioned the double double and the thing the reason why she was able to get that wasn't that she really did anything she was just in the right place at the right time because lambier they made an adjustment after game two they didn't want Tarazzi to hurt him again for 37 in that miraculous game that she had where she hit 10 of 13 shots uh, you know, in seven for nine, rather nine for 11 from beyond the three point arc in game two. So they decided to take her away and shut her down. And she did. And they did that. I mean, she only had nine points. And then they made some other defensive adjustments to take away Griner. So what that did was it just left Brianna Turner wide open. And then she was there for putbacks. She was there for, for you know, just wide open shots. And it was, it was kind of really uh, crazy to see how, how she got like all of these putbacks and everything. Like Lynn said after the game, he goes, she really didn't do anything. It's not like she beat us off triple drive. I mean, we left her open. He goes, that was their defensive strategy. So tonight, different strategy altogether, and they're not going to leave her open. Uh, he wasn't exactly saying exactly how they're going to attack it defensively, but uh, he said they're going to, you know, basically apply a little bit more pressure to everyone here. Not let Tarazi get off. try to, you know, double team Griner when she's in the post. But then they got to get back and, and not leave anybody else open. So you're going to see the Aces probably doing some switching tonight. You're going to see some double teaming in the low post. And as far as Liz Campage goes, unfortunately, you know, Liz is, you know, she just hasn't been the same since coming back from COVID. Uh, you know, her win's not there. She played 22 minutes in the last game, only, you know, uh, averaging nine minutes in the three previous games since she came back from COVID. So, yeah, she's, she's just not really that much of a factor right now.
1: Our illustrious host, TC Martin, joining us here at TC Martin Show on your Wednesday. He's live in Phoenix getting set for game four of the WNBA semifinals as the Phoenix Mercury are hosting the Aces. Now, we talked about obviously the forward play. Guard play going to be absolutely monstrous since game two, right, TC? Obviously, you're going to need more from the likes of Williams and Gray and Young and Kelsey Plum, right? Kelsey Plum played starter's minutes in that game three, also had a tough shooting night for her. Uh, it's going to be, and look, Uh, A thing that causes concern for me is that Phoenix was able to drop 87 points, right, win this game by 27, despite the fact that, look, Tarasi didn't have a monstrous game. You know, Diggins Smith did not have a good game at all. Shot 2 of 12 and 0 of 5 from 3. So, look, if you're the aces, right, from a defensive standpoint, I guess you want to maintain the status quo at the guard position. But there's no question, right, TC? They're going to have to get more production offensively from the, the ladies on the back end there.
0: Yeah, the guards have got to carry him. no question about it. You know, especially when you're, you're for the most part, you're starting a, a three-guard lineup here, you know. And uh, they've got to get production out of Plum off the bench. And, you know, you may, you brought up a good point, you know. I've never seen Plum and Hamby come off the bench within the first two and a half minutes of a game before. Lambier doesn't want that. He wants them coming in basically around the two or three-minute mark of the first quarter. And they fell behind 11-0. And see, that's the key here, is the slow starts. I mean, they've got... Behind uh, you know eight nothing in game one, they're able to overcome that ten uh, nothing uh, in game two eleven nothing in game three they have to get out of that rut right there so uh, the slow start thing is, is a big focal point that should've been talking about for the last three days here is just starting off fast but it's going to start with the guard play getting Chelsea Gray to run the show. That's why they brought her in here. You know, That's why she signed as a free agent from L.A. And she had a fantastic season this year. I mean, she was really the catalyst, you know. And really what you get out of Jackie Young is, is kind of a bonus. She's gotten better over the last couple seasons, uh, you know, number one overall pick. But she's basically there to, to play defense and to, you know, get down the lane and, and, and score that way. Plum is there for the outside. Gray is there to, to dish and assist. And to be able to score off the dribble. And, it, you know, Raquana Williams is brought in to shoot three. He's one of the best three point sh- shooters in the league. And again, you had all of that for the majority of the season. You had all of that in game number one. But you're right, you had none of that in games two and three. And that's where it starts for the Aces tonight. So if Gray hits a couple buckets right away, Raquana Williams hits a couple threes tonight, and then, you know, Kelsey Plum and Derek A. Hamby coming off the bench and doing their thing, you could see uh, the Aces, you know, get back into it. And here's the thing, too, is that. You know this is two one right now, so it's do or die. Aces lose, the series is over. But it, all it takes is this one win to flip the mojo in this series. And Phoenix, they look dead. I mean, after game number one, but they found the mojo and they got two home. You know, um, they got the home win. You know, here uh, in Phoenix on on uh, on Sunday in game three. But you know, the way they took it to the Aces in game two at Mandalay Bay was like, hey, they just they're going to come out aggressive. That's what the Aces need to do tonight, and Lampier's made a point of it. Come out aggressive. Come out with intensity. There's no tomorrow right now. But if they can get this win, all of a sudden, it's. Flips the script, and we got a game five Friday night.
1: Yeah, let me piggyback back on that. There's no question that if the Aces are able to pull out the victory tonight, you get uh, you know that great home court advantage, right? I mean, there's not. The, let's be straight about it. And we're not being biased. We're not being homers in any way, shape, or form. It is going to be an electric atmosphere, you know, for that game five coming back here, and it's definitely going to be an advantage for the Aces. So you, it's it's on. Yeah, you want to just you know you can use whatever adjectives or any descriptions, right, TC? You want to use. Circle the wagons, you know, uh, try to pull things out, do whatever you got to do. But if you can get it back to Vegas, there's no question that uh, it's, it, and that obviously you're coming off a victory if you get back to Vegas. So you can build on that and, and it will create all kinds of positive, big mo momentum going into a game five.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. And that's what they're looking for tonight. But I'll tell you what, it is going to be tough tonight I'll tell you, for a couple reasons. One is the Mercury is playing with all kinds of confidence right now. And, and remember, this is a number five seed. They kind of really underperformed. This team was below 500 at home this year, seven and nine here. And, uh, you know, in, in Tarazi was injured at points of the season. and But this team has just turned it up ever since that game number two. They look like, you know, the, the championship team from years ago. So they're going to be tough to deal with again. But here's the other part, see, when right now across the street here in the same building, the Suns and the Lakers are playing now. As you know, they had a schedule conflict, and Game Three had to be over at Arizona State University because this building was being used for Disney on Ice. Well, they didn't know where they're going to play this game tonight because the Suns and the Lakers had an exhibition, they had a preseason game tonight, so they didn't want to move the the bases and the Mercury back to ASU or whatever. And the Suns weren't going to give up their home court, so what they did is they made it a double header today, and so. The uh, preseason game between the Lakers and the Suns is happening right now. Oh, and by the way, you know what the Suns and Mercury management did? They made it a doubleheader. So, any fans going to the game of the Suns and Lakers, they get to come to the game for free tonight for the Aces and the Mercury. So, it is going to be a packed house tonight. You talk about atmosphere. This place is going to be packed, it's going to be crazy gonna be like 15,000 fans here tonight
1: okay so it seems like it's worked out but can I get can I get in my soapbox for a little second here TC and talk about this yeah. like look when it comes to you know the Suns and the Lakers game okay we understand it's NBA preseason right TC I mean how is thank it, you how is it not that they cannot work this out where just play the game somewhere else whether it's Grand Canyons Arena whether it's you know again at Arizona State or at you know, up in Tucson uh, in, in Tucson you know yet you uh, University of Arizona, there's places they can play the game. It doesn't matter. It's a preseason NBA game. I don't understand the whole totem pole, you know, uh, uh, pecking order type of deal here when it comes to, you know, it's a WNBA playoff game, how that's not a focus and how that can't be worked around when it comes to the Talking Sticks Arena or whatever it's called there in Phoenix. I don't understand that.
0: you, you're preaching to the choir. I've said the exact same thing. It doesn't make sense. And and again, you know, this is why they, they they actually got the game back here for this game for tonight. And then it's at seven o'clock. You have ESPN national television. I mean, they weren't going to play that in the afternoon. They didn't want to. You know, and you know, going over here on Sunday to ASU, it was a nightmare from ESPN's perspective, from just a, a logistical perspective. It was it was a nightmare. And I agree with you. It's a preseason game. Kick the Suns out. I mean, the Suns are the ones that should be be going elsewhere. I mean, like you said, this is a not just a playoff game, but it's a semifinal WNBA semifinal series game. It's you know national television with ESPN. So they finally relented and said, okay, fine. You know, you guys will get your home court back, and you will play the game at seven o'clock as originally scheduled. But. Now, they didn't move the Suns out. They just moved them up uh, earlier in the day. And now it's going to create a huge, you know, not that the Mercury ha- have, uh, you know, they don't, they don't have a home court advantage as it is. Because you got to remember, this is one of the, you know, prestigious franchises. they won three WNBA titles. one of the original franchises. They have a great fan base here. And they traveled over to ASU and packed that place. You know, a smaller arena. Had, you know, 8,000 fans there. But, you know, now allowing the Suns fans, the season ticket holders, to say, hey, you know, uh, you get to come to the game too. I mean, that's really going to create uh, a, a monster uh, home court advantage tonight. So, if the Aces get the job done, it's going to be well deserved, and uh, they will—you know—they'll definitely have some momentum right into Game Five uh, on Friday night. I just hope we're there for Game Five. C win at the Mandalay Bay.
1: TC Martin joining us live from Phoenix, getting set for Game Four WNBA Semifinals as the Aces are taking on the Phoenix Mercury. Want to pick your brain uh, for a quick second if you have time, TC regarding the Major League Baseball playoffs, right? We had it yesterday, game one of the uh, the wild Card game, actually, for an opportunity to play the Tampa Bay Rays moving on in the postseason. You had, a you know, obviously a storied rivalry in the Red Sox and the Yankees, a quality pitching matchup, and Nate Ivaldi, as well as uh, Garrett Cole out on the hill. Were you surprised by the results that went down up, up at Fenway Park as uh, the Red Sox are able to get things going offensively against the likes of Derek Cole and also for Nathan Ivaldi for to essentially— for all intents and purposes shut down that powerful new york yankee offense and uh the red sox end up moving on to uh to play a series against tampa bay
0: you know see when i wasn't totally surprised just because both of these teams especially the yankees i mean both of them really i mean have been so streaky all season long and especially down the stretch you know you just don't know what you're going to get with that yankee lineup and the yankees you know have had a lot of injuries as well too no dj LeMahieu, you know voight's been out for a long time and uh you know, you you go and you spend all this money on Garrett Cole and he just, you know, really has not delivered, especially down the stretch. You know, Yankee fans are just irate about that situation. Remember they were talking about getting rid of Aaron Boone as their manager mid season. So this team has struggled. So really not too much of a surprise when you're looking, you know, at, at both of these teams here and the same thing with the Red Sox. I mean, hot and cold JD Martinez has been injured. So, you know, to me, I couldn't call that game actually. And, uh, you know, Evaldi, you know, he's he's been able to throw some gems. And like you mentioned, he threw one yesterday. But, uh, yeah, I mean, congratulations to the Red Sox. But the Yankees, they've been a mess. I think you're going to see major changes there. When you spend the money that you've had for Cole and then bring Joey Gallo in, who's basically a strikeout machine or he's a home run machine, you know, you don't know what you're going to get with him. And look what you got. You you didn't get anything. Uh, Aside from Stanton, that's really all they got. Where was Aaron Judge yesterday? Where's Aaron Judge been the last couple weeks as well, too? So yeah, you know, for me that was uh, that was too too close to call. I couldn't call it. And then you know the same thing goes tonight when you're looking at the Cardinals and the Dodgers. I think that that's another game that's very very intriguing.
1: It's funny, you mentioned, of course, changes possibly, right, with the Bronx bombers. I know look, TC, you've been busy, right, getting ready for this aces game. If you go up on social media in the past like twelve hours, when it comes to New York, their fans, it's you you know the deal. It's fire everybody. Get rid of Cashman, get rid of Boone, start trading to half the team. Brett Gardner needs to retire. I mean, it is classic what's going on, you know, after losing, especially losing, right? It's not like they lost to the likes of maybe the Astros or you know, somebody. they lost to the Red Sox, right? So up in Fenway. So you know the New York faithful that's been going nuts when it comes to social
0: media, my friend. Oh, there's no doubt. I mean, we went from like a Bucky frickin' dent to now Uh, Garrett frickin' Cole. That's what we're going through right now. So the T-shirts are already printed, my friend. They're out there. They're wearing them,
1: too. (laughs) And, of course, D.C., you've got the matchup tonight in Los Angeles at Dodger Stadium as the Dodgers and the Cardinals will uh, face off in the wildcard game with an opportunity to play the San Francisco Giants in the next round. Obviously, a quality pitching matchup here as well, too, when you have Max Scherzer going against the likes of Adam Wainwright. And, uh, of course, everything, you know, once the postseason gets you know, was all set, set and done as far as Sunday is concerned. You know, a lot of Dodger faithful, right, were up in arms. We're a 105 win team, and now we have to play in a one game do or die situation just to move on into the playoffs. Your thoughts regarding this this Dodger Cardo matchup tonight?
0: Man, this is this is intriguing because you've got two pitchers that have have great seasons, and you know, mm-hmm. you got Adam Wainwright who's 17 and seven. I thought Wainwright was done, you know, last year, even two years ago. And then, of course, Scherzer comes over. And this is why Scherzer, you know, came to the Dodgers. Same reason why Cole came to the Yankees. They paid him all that money. I mean, the Dodgers went and got Scherzer because he is the guy. He's Mr. October. And uh, here's what I predict, C-Win. I, I can see the writing on the wall right now that you could have a fisticuffs tonight between Max Scherzer and Dave Roberts in, in this dugout. And uh, whether it gets seen or not. But if Dave Roberts pulls one of his Patman moves where he decides to pull Max Scherzer out after five innings or six innings or maybe even the seventh inning because he's in a close game, you know, Scherzer is going to come out there with that bulldog mentality. He's going to want to pound Dave Roberts down and like, do not take me out of this game. Scherzer is a bulldog. You know, I've got a chance to, to meet Max and talk with him. And I love this guy. He's one of my favorite guys. And just see his presence on the field, see him in the clubhouse. see He's just phenomenal. And this guy wants the ball. He never wants to be taken out of a game. And Roberts is famous for for doing this. And he did it just his last two starts. And Scherzer really hasn't been that strong. So, uh, you know, tonight, maybe you can throw everything out the window. You got Mad Max on the hill. And if this game is close in the sixth or seventh inning, and Roberts is thinking about pulling him out, you could have mayhem in that dugout, my friend.
1: And look, the Dodgers, you know, dealing obviously with the Max Muncy situation, it appears he's going to be out for a while, but uh it's the Dodgers, right? So they have talent across the board. They're going to have guys that are going to be able to fill in for him. But uh a little bit of concern if you're if you're if you're Dodger blue, having uh that injury and having to uh kind of kind of weather that storm.
0: Yeah, I mean, they need Max Muncy, you know, no question about it. I mean, Bellinger's basically been MIA for for the longest period of time too, so the Dodgers really need to revamp that offense and, you know, and we'll see what happens with Mookie Betts, too. I mean, Mookie Betts, is he you know, going to go in with these prolonged slumps? or you know, I mean, he's at the top of the order. He's got to get it going. But when you lose a guy like Max Muncy, uh, who means so much to you, a guy with 36 homers, what, 94 RBIs, and 83 walks. Remember that. I mean, those, those, that's a key stat as well, too. When that is out of the heart of your order, that's going to hurt this team. And let's, come on. I mean, you're playing the St. Louis Cardinals that won, what, 19 of their last 20? The hottest team in baseball? I mean, yeah, we've been talking about this for a while, I, I, as you know. It's like you win a, over 100 games, and you are put yourself in a one-and-done situation. This would be heartbreaking. It would be crushing for Dodger fans if uh, if this season is over prematurely because they got World Series on their mind or bust, you know? And tonight, it would not shock me at all, even though the Cardinals are a $2 underdog, if it becomes bust for the Dodgers tonight.
1: And there is Dodger blue faithful just sweating bullets all over the place. D- DC, our friend Ed Grainy over at his uh, look. All yep. the Dodger fans I talked to, they understand. They we all know about the, the recent history between these two teams. Come playoff time with the Cardinals and the Dodgers, and there are look, they're Dodger fans just flat out saying we're done. We're not going to win. We're screwed. You know. And I'm like, what are you talking about? You have a, you know your lineup is loaded. You got all kinds of guys on the bump that are quality. You, you should win this. You should win this game and it should be you know an intriguing matchup where you got you know uh you know the biggest rivalry in baseball on the west coast in my opinion obviously with the you know with the giants and the dodgers but they are they are absolutely nervous dc rolling into this matchup against you know a cardinal team that is just flat out red hot let's be honest about it
0: yeah well we'll think about this i mean who isn't nervous when you're in a one and done situation and it's absurd Mm -hmm. you play 162 games Okay. And, and then, you know, baseball is always made out of series. Okay. You're right. playing series throughout, throughout three game series, four game series. Then you get to the postseason. You know, you used to four out of seven, you know, three out of five. But then you get to this situation where, uh, like you said, Dodgers, you know, with 105 games, and, and now you're telling me it's a one to done situation. Anything can happen in baseball in a one-game situation. You saw it last night. Perfect example. When you line up the lineups of the Yankees and the Red Sox, you look at the Yankees lineup. You're thinking, okay, I mean, you know, you gotta, you gotta favor the Yankees. Yeah. But you know, again, you you, you, you fall behind two, three nothing. Boom! All of a sudden, you start to play, play tight. You get a little nervous, and now you got to go to your bullpen uh, prematurely. Yeah. I mean, this could happen. What if Scherzer has an injury, or what? You know, and Scherzer's famous for giving up first inning home runs. You know, if something like that happens, especially with a Red hot Cardinal team, everybody is nervous either side when you get in a one-game scenario, a do-or-die scenario. I don't like it for baseball, but it's great for talking points. It's great for viewing. You know, people are going to be glued to their seats for this. But, you know, in the big you know, scheme of things, I don't think it's good for Major League Baseball because it, it, it creates, you know, situations like this where 100-win teams, uh, you know, aren't even playing, uh, you know, after the 8th the or ninth day of October.
1: So obviously we've got that game tonight. National League Wild Card. We had the American League Wild Card yesterday. But look, let's be honest. We're all focusing on Aces and Mercury tonight, right? TC, we want to <laughs> check out. We want to. I'm gonna do the old. I'm gonna do the old school. You know, I might pop the TV on, but I'm gonna be cranking up the radio side because I want to hear my there guy, the Doctor TC Martin, with the play-by-play call of this matchup. TC, we appreciate you spending some time on your show on this hump day as uh, you get geared up for game four of the WNBA semifinals, my friend, enjoy yourself, uh, get yourself geared up and uh, we'll be, we'll be set and uh, ready to tune into you.
0: Thanks c appreciate you again, brother. I appreciate everybody else and uh, and keep listening to my man uh, c Win taking care of business. Appreciate you greatly, brother. appreciate always your support, not only the aces, but you know, every team there in Las Vegas, c Win is a man about town. He's there at every event. And he's like me. He's at Food Ventures too. That's my guy. And I'm going to go out on a
1: limb. I'm going to put it out there. I am going to. I think the Aces win this basketball game. But I, hey, I got to be honest, TC. I was talking to Jesse Merrick right before you came on, and I had him, and I said, I said, hey. You and B Sal, you guys need to uh, maybe if I if I do actually text you guys and tell you who I'm taking, you got to go the other direction, bro, because you have a chance. You'll have a chance to win some to win some coin. And he was he was absolutely down with that. So I'm not going to be putting any you know cash on this game because I don't want to jinx the aces in any way, shape, or form. So I'll be I'll be That's staying away from that. Thank
0: goodness. Thank you. My <laughs> man. Appreciate it. That's the best news we've heard all day. There it is. Go. Isn't it?
1: That's good stuff right there.
0: <laughs> T C Martin. Uh... Six, in effect, it's
1: real. <laughs> All right, brother. Thanks, have, man. Have a great night, man. We'll talk to you again soon, okay?
0: You got it, brother. Yeah.
1: TC Martin, host of the TC Martin show here. And uh go to the website at uh, com. All kinds of great info, content, obviously show archives as well too of uh the TC Martin show across the board and uh, also a shout out to our to our good pal and big part of the TC Martin show, Frank Hardish. Of course, still you know with his battle with cancer he's dealing with it he's going you know going through the chemotherapy and uh, he's fighting it and it's always great to hear and uh, our thoughts and prayers are going out to Frank on a speedy recovery and 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 uh, our anticipation is sooner than later Frank's going to be back here live in studio and you're going to be hearing him wax poetic on all things sports across the board so uh, great to hear from TC Martin we're getting set game four of the WNBA semifinals aces there. Backs against the wall. They have to win in that game to continue that series and get it to a Game 5 back here in Vegas. And you can hear TC with the call later, uh, uh, on the way down the dial at ESPN Radio Las Vegas here in town. It is the TC Martin Show coming your way live on a Wednesday have Chris Wynn in for him. Uh, On the other side of the break, we'll talk some college football as there was some shaking up in the top 25 as some of the better teams in the country got knocked off this past weekend. And we'll talk about some of the news across college pigskin as well, too, as we continue on your Hump Day. It is the T.C. Martin Show Live. Hey, this is Tyson Fury, a.k.a. the Gypsy King. And I'm here today ripping
0: it up with T.C. Martin.
1: T.C. Martin Show coming to a live here on your York Wednesday. Go to T.C.MartinShow.com and get all the info, show archives across the board. It is tremendous to get a chance to jump over on that site. I'm Chris Wynn in for T.C. Martin. T.C. Martin in Arizona getting set for the WNBA semifinals. But uh, no shortage of action across the board this time of year. Whether it's Major League Baseball playoffs, whether it's the WNBA playoffs, whether it's, you know, the obviously we're smack dab in the middle of the NFL and college football seasons. And college football, last week, look, uh, a few teams got knocked off. It seems like it's par for the course, right? Every week in college football, it seems like, you know, somebody from the top 25 and multiple teams from the top 25 are going to get bounced and bounced around, and that was exactly the case. And uh, we'll see what shakes down this week. Here in college football, all kicks off tomorrow night. Actually, is you got number fifteen Coastal Carolina taking on Arkansas State. Now look, we're here in the West. It's a Sun Belt game. I understand most people, you know, aren't going to be really you know zeroed in on that type of matchup. But uh, Coastal Carolina, quality football team, number fifteen in the country. Grayson McCall, their quarterback, is much talked about, even from a Heisman Trophy standpoint right now. And uh, it's a it's a good story. Look, we love it right in America. We like the little guy. He was able to compete with the uh, the blue bloods, the powerhouses in in college football or college basketball, especially you know, especially in the college ranks. Right? We'd love to hear about these teams like a Coastal Carolina, the Chanticleers, You know, five and zero. They won. They basically won every game last year too, but they never got a sniff. When it came to the college football playoff, and it doesn't look like they're going to this year either because they, again, play in the Sun Belt, right, against the likes of Arkansas State and some of these other teams. So it's, uh, but it's, it, it's always fun for them to get a national stage, and they'll get that, you know, in the game tomorrow night. And then you got some quality matchups across the board in college football this weekend, and it starts with Cincinnati and Temple. Cincinnati and coming off that impressive win up in South Bend against Notre Dame and you've got the Bearcats sitting at 4 and 0. Again, a team from the AAC, which is not one of the premier conferences in college football, but still there is that debate going on. Cincinnati, should they be in the mix when it comes to the college football playoff if they run the table? They're not going to be facing, you know, powerhouses the rest of the way, but if they're sitting there undefeated and you've got, you know, teams that are having one loss in the power conferences, the Iowa's or the, you know, or, you know, uh, you, you name the team in the Pac-12, the Big 12, you know the Oklahomas, the uh, and then obviously the SEC. We understand the SEC is king when it comes to college football, but there's no question that if Cincinnati is able to run the table, there's going to be serious questions as to whether or not they should be able to get into that top four. So you got that matchup. You got Arizona State taking on Stanford in uh, a game on Friday, also, and then Saturday just loaded across the board with matchups. With the uh, they used to call it the Red River Shootout. And uh, I don't know. If, I don't know why they, have, they necessarily they didn't say you can't say it, or they're not using it. But Oklahoma's taking on Texas in uh, a neutral site game coming up on Saturday morning. You've got a matchup between Arkansas and Ole Miss and the SEC, and a uh, big time game between Auburn and Georgia. Georgia, number two in the country. A lot of talk about the Bulldogs being probably the best team in the country right, as of right now. Look, we understand Alabama, what they're all about. It's the Crimson Tide. They don't rebuild. They reload. And it's a powerhouse, okay? But this Georgia team been, has been phenomenal all season long. Their defense is completely ridiculous. Shutouts all over the place. You know, guys who are going to be playing on Sundays all across this defense. And it's not—it's going to be on display again this week, even against a quality Auburn team that's number 18 in the country and it's sitting at 4-1. and one. That being said, the Bulldogs are almost 16 point favorites in this game. So, and the Bulldogs coming off a just drubbing last week in that victory over I Texas A and M. I top of my head, I'm looking at it, but this is a Georgia team that uh, look has some issues regarding JT Daniels at quarterback, whether or not he's going to be healthy. They still have been able to be just fine as far as offensively because of the running game has been tremendous you know last game they rushed for over 240 yards in that game. So the it's a Georgia team that is loaded across the board both offensively and particularly on the defensive side of things. So you've got some other quality matchups obviously in the Big 10 as well too because you've got Penn State playing at Iowa the Hawkeyes. One of the Hawkeyes look we thought the Hawkeyes would be decent this year, but I don't think anybody thought they'd be this good. And Penn State it's it's look something's got to give in this game, right? Because the Nittany Lions sitting at number four in the country, Iowa number three. Iowa offensively is a team that can be explosive and has been so far this season. And Penn State is going to be on the road in you know it's going to be a raucous atmosphere there in Iowa City. It's going to make it very difficult for Penn State, but it's going to be an exciting game to watch. You've also got the Michigan Nebraska game, the Wolverines. Obviously much talked about when you when you bring back an alum as esteemed as Jim Harbaugh to the mix. And he's been under fire, of course, because it, when it comes to Michigan, right, as someone who's from there, okay, even though I'm a Michigan State guy, you understand it's all about beating Ohio State, okay? If if you're the head coach at Michigan, it doesn't matter if you're Harbaugh, doesn't matter if you're, you know, Gary Moeller, it doesn't matter if, you know, it, it doesn't matter who you are, okay? That is... The thing, it, look, we want you want to get to Rose Bowls, you want to get to obviously you want to get to you know college football playoffs in today's day and age, but at that program in that town of Ann Arbor, we, you know the whole thing is about Ohio State Michigan, and it's been a tough sledding to say the least for Jim Harbaugh and that program. They haven't been able to do it. Right now, sitting at five and zero though, and Michigan a short favorite there in Nebraska. Now, this is a Cornhuskers team. That, look, they're not very good this year, but they seem to have been able to find ways to be in football games against some quality teams that they played. So it's not necessarily, and look, they're 500. They're sitting at three and three. Not spectacular by any stretch of the imagination, but I would expect that the Cornhuskers are going to look to, uh, and they're, they're probably going to uh, put a monkey wrench into the hole. Michigan's going to blow them out type of scenario. I don't think it's going to be that. I think it's going to be a quality game, a close game, but I do think that Michigan ends up coming out on top. So you've got that matchup. You've got Alabama at Texas A&M. Obviously, when the Crimson Tide are on the field, there's going to be a focus. It's, an, it's a night game, uh, you know, and it's going to be on the road at Texas a and a Texas A&M team that has injuries, obviously, the quarterback position. So that's a, that's a big, big issue going up against the likes of a Crimson Tide defense, but fully expect Alabama to handle their business too. And then you've got to match up with the, uh, in the Mountain West, right, where you've got San Diego State still in the top 25, hanging on by a thread in the top 25. They'll take on New Mexico. That's going to be the later game. But you notice I did not mention, of course, UNLV, and the reason I didn't mention UNLV is because they're not playing this week. They have a bye coming off uh, uh, yet another loss, and it's a team that is going to – look. When it comes to UNLV football, we've talked about it a lot. Marcus Arroyo is, if there's anybody that is up against it from a standpoint of the recent history here, where the program stands, the kind of, uh, what, how should I describe this? The uh, disorganization when it comes to the athletic department regarding you know people getting shuffled in and out, people getting bigger jobs and moving on. Uh, there just there's not a whole lot of continuity, right? When it comes to the UNLV football program right now. Now, from a facility standpoint, it's great. Obviously, when you talk about their, college, their their practice facility and their facility, their day-to-day facility, it's one of the best in the country here at UNLV, okay? A program that's in the Mountain West. We're not talking about the Big 10. We're not talking about the Pac-12, the SEC, you know, ACC. We're talking about the Mountain West, and they have one of the best facilities in the country. And then oh, by the way, you play in Allegiant Stadium, okay? Which is uh, brand spanking new, and from a you know from a actual venue standpoint, is tremendous. It's unbelievable. It's 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 the shiny new penny in town, in the NFL and in college football. That being said, the product doesn't match the venue or the practice facility. You're talking about a a, a college program that is in transition. The coach is brand new, relatively, basically a year and a half in, okay, and he's never been a head coach before. Had success when I'm talking about Marcus Arroyo with UNLV as a coordinator at Oregon, but you're coming into a situation where it's almost like a no-win situation, okay, with UNLV because they have because they haven't had a team that has been relevant necessarily since 2000, what 14, 15, where they've been been a bowl team. Ever since then, it's, it's just been a dumpster fire, okay? So it makes it really tough for Marcus Arroyo and his coaching staff in this situation. I'm not making excuses for the program, okay? You should be able to—and look, and you, you can't bring COVID-19 into it because all the college programs had to deal with COVID-19, and all the teams, regardless of conference, had to deal with the pandemic. So you can't really make that excuse— that being said, you know, uh, you know, there are circumstances that present themselves as to why UNLV has not won a football game in Marcus Arroyo's tenure here, okay? And if you want to play the schedule game and take a look at it and say, well, you know, they have a chance in this game, they have a chance in this game, I, I look at the schedule just like everybody else, regardless of if you're a college football expert or if you're a fan or if you're in the media or whatever, or you're just a talking head, It doesn't matter. You look at the schedule, there's probably only one other game left on the schedule, and that's the Hawaii game, where they'll have a chance to win. I'm being flat-out honest and straightforward here. It's probably the Hawaii game. Other than that, they're probably not going to win a football game. So it's more of the same looking forward here for this UNLV program. That being said, they're on a bye. So, you know, this week they're not going to lose, which I guess is good, right? If you want to look at it from that standpoint. Um... And the next game is going to be next week. I think they're playing at home uh, in a conference game. I want to say Utah State. Yeah, it's Utah State for an afternoon game coming up next Saturday. So going to be intriguing. A lot of the college matchups coming up this weekend. No doubt about it. Sticking on the college front, though, I also want to weigh in because there's been some local news regarding UNLV, and it's on the basketball side, of course. As uh, some of the local dealerships have entered into an NIL, which is the license agreement, right? Where the players have an opportunity. You can basically name and likeness, right? You have an opportunity to market yourself. You can go out. You can actually make some money. And if you, you know, look, if you're marketable and you're someone who is, you know, is able to uh, make those connections in the business community as well as you know throughout the community, you're going to have an opportunity to make some money. That's the case with UNLV basketball, as apparently a local dealership has entered into agreement where you're going to get every player from the UNLV basketball team is going to get $500 allotted for a car and oh, look I get all the jokes that are being, being made because they want to hanker back to the you know Tarkanian days where players apparently were getting look I wasn't here so I I, I don't know exactly what the circumstances were with UNLV basketball and with college athletes I would expect that there were some favors, I would suspect, that there were some uh, liberties being taken with respect to rules around the NCAA. I'm just trying to be careful about the way I talk about this, but the point being is that, yeah, there were jokes that came out. Once the story came out that they were going to be getting uh, from one of the main sponsors of UNLV basketball and backers was going to be allotting the $500 for for the kids to be able to purchase a car, right? Now, look, this is $500 uh, a month. That's mean a lot as far as for a car. It it, it brings up some interesting uh, thoughts though, because you think about this; these are college kids, right? So a lot of them either never had any credit, don't have credit, or have never had any, you know, opportunity to be in a situation where you're dealing with this sort of thing, and so uh, it's 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 going to be create create kind of a strange situation because I think some players have had the ability to obtain some credit and maybe. Will be able to uh, to benefit more, and maybe maybe you'll have you'll have players driving nicer cars, and other players that are on the team or whatever. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that all shakes out. But um, it's a it's a good head start, right, for the players to be able to have that option and get that opportunity. But uh, but other players, look, here's the bottom line, and it's not just about UNLV. It's it's all going to be about I think your stature as a college athlete, right, as as to how much money you can actually make in an NIL across the board. Like, the example always gets brought up when it comes to this type of scenario. People always talk about Ed O'Bannon back in the 90s at UCLA basketball. They talk about Chris Weber at the University of Michigan, right? And the Fab Five period because that era, there was so much, they were so popular that it constantly came up in conversation. Well, you know, it's the Fab Five. Like, there's there's no reason. The university's making millions upon millions, and the NCAA is making millions upon millions, and they're right because they're selling, you know, jerseys with number five on them or number four, Chris Webber's number. Number five was Jalen Rose's number. You know, all these players, Um, you know, Ed O'Bannon in Los Angeles in those that 1995 national championship team with UCLA. And all these college players are absolutely being marketed even though they don't have a name on the back of the jersey we all know whose jersey it is and so there's that there was that whole that was a constant comment being made these kids are making millions of dollars from the university but they can't even go out and get a couple of tacos at taco bell you know because they're just broke and, and it is a valid valid argument right and there's also the the argument that um, I don't even know if it was necessarily an argument. There was the you know, the uh, the take of the actual college um, when you actually get the uh, college scholarship. Right, you get the full ride essentially if you're a big time athlete. And this is this goes for all athletes at all colleges, Division one or Division two, if they offer scholarships. But a lot of people put more value on that than others. You know, there's there's people that have certain uh, you know either priorities when it comes to having a college degree or having an opportunity to get your college degree, because we understand that if you're a big time college athlete, a lot of times you are not going to graduate. You're going to have an opportunity to play professionally uh, or, I mean, it's a small percentage obviously, but there still is that, that, that life goal or dream of college athletes to actually make it and do that. But, But not to get off too off base here, but the point being is that with, with now how the, climate is in college sports where you have the nil's you're going to have disparity regarding certain athletes at different schools and you're gonna have some athletes that are going to be extremely prosperous when it comes to other endorsements whether it's commercials across the board you're going to see you know your big time athletes at school accidentally matter where you're at if you're at you know in tuscaloosa at alabama if you're in ann arbor at michigan if you're in uh Uh, college station, if you're in Austin and Texas, if you're a Texas Longhorns football player, and you're the quarterback and you're an Heisman candidate or you're the running back or receiver or defensive player, whatever. And you uh, are a a charismatic athlete. And uh, and look, there'll be opportunities for the women, I I expect too. And so uh, there's going to be that disparity. So I guess what I'm trying to round out and say here is that it's going to be intriguing to say the least to see how that all shakes out regarding college athletics and, and and how they deal with it from both a recruiting standpoint and from a uh, just progression of the program standpoint because it's going to have an it, – it's certainly – look, it's inevitable. It's going to have an impact on college sports from a competitive standpoint angle because you're going to have a situation where a lot of these colleges and universities are going to have advantages, okay, and you can talk about the boosters, you can talk about the hangers-ons or whatever the people that are going to be an influx of money into the in, into college sports. You have now that you have these these uh, name and likeness, you know, open-ended type of situations that they have in the NCAA. It changes everything, and it really changes it from the standpoint of now that whole question of should we pay college athletes because the door's been open. It's open, and you want to call it Pandora's Box, you want to call it, you know, the horse are out of the barn, whatever it is you want to call it, the fact of the matter is it's going to be a major factor when we take a look at conferences, when we take a look at college programs, when we take a look at rankings, when we take a look at, you know, what these these uh, these schools are as, as a program in basketball and in football, not necessarily in other sports, Let's not go crazy because there's not going to be a situation. uh, There may be an outlier where there's, there's maybe a swimmer like a Michael Phelps or something, or a, you know, or someone in an individual sport golf, for example, uh, or the occasional baseball player. But it's, it's, let's be straight about it. It's all about football and basketball, right? Those are the two sports that drive college sports from a financial standpoint, particularly football. And, it's going to be a financial windfall for some of them. Okay. I mean, for if, if you're a Heisman Trophy candidate, you're playing at Texas or you're playing at Alabama or you're playing at USC or you're playing, you know, you're playing at, the, at Ohio State. Okay. There's going to be kids that are going to be making a lot of money. All right. And then there's going to be kids that are going to be making some money. And so I'm intrigued to see that whole dynamic and how that all breaks down. And. Look, I'm on. I'm on board with the with the, I was on board with the whole, uh, you know, paying students as far as uh, a stipend. Um, I thought it was going to be difficult, kind of regulating it because how do you, you know, make the decision? Well, you're going to you're going to pay just players on the basketball team and the football team, but you're not going to pay the te- the players on the water polo team or the you know or the you know the multiple other sports that college programs have to deal with. I thought that was all going to be kind of complicated. And it was, going to be, it was going to create a lot of resentment and issues around college sports because of that. It appears that we're kind of throwing caution to win when it comes to this type of deal because it's almost like we're going into this, you know, fly by the seat of our pants and saying, okay, we're just going to let it fly and we're going to start with, uh, okay, so if you're popular and uh, if you can do it as a college athlete, doesn't matter what your sport is, go out there and go ahead and get, get what you can get. You know, that's kind of the mentality that people are taking as far as this goes. So, I understand I'm kind of rambling about this a little bit, but still, the point being is it's absolutely going to have an effect. And it's it's kind of fascinating in this town because it is Vegas, right? And we have a history with UNLV basketball being at the pinnacle, at the top, you know, winning a national championship back in the 90s. Then we had, of course, you've got everything that surrounds Vegas as a community as far as the gaming as far as gambling, as far as, you know, and back, look, the image has changed, right, with Vegas. It's all different now. We used to be thought of as, like, the sordid town, right? We used to be thought of as, you know, the town where all the degenerates come to and people that are trying to escape their past or whatever, they move to Vegas. Not really the case anymore. It's more of a, you know, accepted city, I guess is the way I could put it. And, and that's true, too, With when it comes to athletics, right? It's true when it comes to the NFL, when it comes to the NHL, NBA, pro sports in general, you know, much more accepted, much more part, uh, acceptable part of society. And so that's kind of, uh, and that's shown true when it comes to UNLV, right? And it's not the same climate that it was with the NCAA. And when Jerry Tarkanian was here and when the basketball program was sitting on top, and the program has changed. Look, we understand UNLV as a basketball program has changed. Uh, football program, I mean, it is what it is. It's it's still not you know when you think about the FBS, it's it's not one of the best FBS programs in the country. And I'm I'm guess I'm being polite by saying that it's uh, essentially you know one of the one of the bottom teams in the FBS right now. Can it get better? Absolutely, it can get better. And because of the reasons I mentioned previously about how they have the facilities and they have all that, but to me. It's all going to be about, uh, with this NIL, and it's going to be, I'm telling you, it's going to be interesting to see, get your popcorn ready, it's going to be interesting, because it's going to be, uh, because I think UNLV basketball can absolutely, can uh, benefit from this, when it comes, look, I've talked about this many times, TC's talked about it, Frank, anybody on the airwaves, blessing, all of us have mentioned this. There's no excuse, no excuse whatsoever that UNLV in football and basketball should not be at the top of the Mountain West, okay? Especially from a recruiting standpoint. Think about it. Think about the programs in this conference, okay? Maybe you can make the case San Diego State should be able to recruit UNLV, okay? But any other program, and I'm talking both football and basketball, and baseball to some extent, and softball, there's no way that any other any other program in the country or excuse me, in the conference, in the Mountain West, should be out recruiting UNLV, should be higher profile than UNLV. It's a joke. We're Vegas. There's all kinds of uh, great things about this community and about this town and about that university that that should be drawing student-athletes here. Okay? And it's mind-blowing to me, particularly on the football side of things, but, both, but basketball too, because basketball hasn't been anything since... Lon Kruger left as a coach, it, it's just mind-boggling to me that they've been wallowing in either mediocrity or sub-mediocrity for years, okay? And the years mean, I'm talking about the last 10, 15, 20 years, all right? Come on. There should not be the, it, it should not be this difficult for the program here to get things going. And it's got to be frustrating, I'm sure, for a lot of you out there here in Vegas that are either UNLV alums Support the programs. Are UNLV fans, right? It's got to be hard. I I I feel for you. It's tough, but you know, hopefully they're turning the corner. Hopefully, right? We're very hopeful here. Okay, new head coach who happens to be the son of Lon Kruger, obviously, and Kevin Kruger. Good young coach. I wasn't really, you know, all you know enthralled about the hire. But that being said, you know, I think he's gonna be a good coach. Marcus Arroyo, I think he's a decent coach, just in a bad situation. The football and basketball programs at UNLV should be on the rise. We haven't seen it yet, and we're still in a matter of uh, you know, we're still kind of in the early process of it. But that being said, we want it. We want to see it. We want to see UNLV get back to respectability. Hopefully, they can do that. It's been a fun Wednesday. Thanks to Mark for uh, handling things for me here in studio. T.C. Martin, he is on the call tonight, game four, WNBA semifinals. Aces taking on the Phoenix Mercury. You can hear him down the aisle on ESPN Radio Las Vegas. I'm Chris Wynn. I'll be in again tomorrow for T.C. Everybody out there, have a great Wednesday. Enjoy yourselves. Enjoy the games tonight. You've got National League wildcard, Aces, and it's on. And we're getting geared up for a fun week of sports across the board. Have a great day, everybody. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.